Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Happy Easter. There we are. Why don't you turn to a couple of people and say, hey, you look five years younger after worship. God's been good. It's Easter Sunday. We're excited, man. Hey, why don't we just give it up for Jesus for like 10 seconds or thank him in your own way. Today is a beautiful and a special day. My name is Matt. If you don't know me yet, it's uh, great to have you here. It's my lovely wife, Alyssa. We have four kids together. 18 years of marriage this year. My wife's like, stop rounding up, you know, you make... And uh, we welcome you. Thank you for being a part of our our house today as we celebrate Jesus together. Um, I did want to begin by reading some portions from Luke uh, chapter 24. I want to read the first 12 verses for us this morning, and that'll kind of be the basis uh, of of the rest of my message this morning on Easter. And so if you would, uh, if you have your phone, maybe you got the Bible app out. If you don't have the Bible app, it's a great app to download. Uh, It's free. And uh, it's beautiful. You also, if you brought uh, an actual Bible, sometimes I'll, I'll read out of an actual one, right? It feels old school now to have an actual one. But follow along with us as we go to Luke 24. And I'd like to start reading in verse 1 to 12. And we can, we can all follow along together. Uh, and the title of this portion of Scripture is called, He is Risen. He is Risen. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, I'm talking about Sunday, They came, and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared. So, again, before they put him in the tomb, they buried him, uh, they wrapped him in cloths, and they're going to come back now and prepare the body with spices, right? And so this is what they would do in their culture for burial. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And this is talking of angels here in verse 4. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? What a great line that is. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. They returned to the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. So they go back and tell the rest of Jesus' close followers. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. This is crazy talk, right? In verse 12, Peter arose and ran to the tomb. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. What happened? Look at your neighbor one more time and say, what happened? What happened? I want to preach a message this morning. What happened? Peter runs to the tomb. He sees the cloth. He sees the body is gone. He hears the tell of these Women, and in fact, these women are the first preachers of the gospel in human history. What is the gospel? It simply means good news. And the good news is he is risen. Um, Without chapter 24, 
there is no Christianity. If we still have the body of Jesus on the earth, there is no Christianity. Christianity is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There, there are these thoughts in college that my professors called keystone thoughts. And a keystone is in a Roman archway, you would have a center stone that was a little bit larger than all the other stones. And you had all the weight of these stones coming up at one angle. You had all the weight of the other stones coming up at another angle. And then you had this bigger angled center stone that all the weight and all the pressure of these stones relied on and the weight and the pressure of these stones relied on. And that center keystone carried the weight so the arch could exist. Church, I'm here to remind us today that Luke 24, the resurrection of Jesus, is the keystone of Christianity. Sometimes people think Christianity is about being a good person. You know, yeah, we don't want to be mean, but it's not about being a good person. Sometimes we think Christianity is about being better than others. No, it's, it's not about that at all. Sometimes people think it's about being perfect or holy, and honestly, no one is perfect. That was never the message, is we have it all figured out. Other people don't. We're perfect. We're better. No, that's not the message. The keystone of all of this whole thing is Jesus is no longer in the grave. Can I get an amen? Or, hey, I'm with you. This is the keystone of all Christianity. We can't find his body. Could it be true? Peter runs to the tomb. He can't see Jesus. And he wondered what happened. What is this whole thing about? I want to just preach a shorter message this morning, but one that I hope hits our hearts today. What happened? What happened? What happened in this whole thing? What happened with this empty tomb and this Jesus and this resurrected body. Number one, God made a way to forgive us of our sins. What happened? What's this whole thing about? Why the resurrection? Why the empty tomb? Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. You know, what's interesting about the human experience is everyone has been a victim of sin. Somebody's sinned against you. Maybe even this morning, somebody cut you off in traffic, right? And then they looked at you like it's your fault, you know? Maybe, maybe somebody was mean. Maybe somebody lied to you. Maybe somebody stole from you. Maybe somebody cheated behind your back or whatever. We've all been a victim of sin, and guess what? We've all been a villain of sin. We've all committed sin. We've all done something selfish. Sin at its core is simply selfishness right? It's, this is what I desire. It's what I want. It's what I determine to be good for me without a care of how this might affect other people or how this might affect the heart of God. That's basically, you could wrap it in about that. I remember the first time I sinned that I, at least consciously, right? I mean, I'm sure as a toddler, I threw some good tantrums. I, I don't know, but, but I remember being about six years old and I asked my mother for a candy bar at the grocery store. And I grew up in the country of Indiana. It was called Miller's Grocery Store. Miller's IGA. I don't know what the IGA stood for, but I said, I want a Snickers bar. And she said, no. And so she went to go pick up a few other items. And your boy snuck around the corner, grabbed a Snickers bar and put it in his pocket. I thought I was sly. We were checking out. And I remember feeling the intensity of, I'm going to get by with this. I'm going to get by with this. And then I also had this thought, like, you can't go to jail for this, right? Like, what if I get found out as a six-year-old? I'm like, how serious is this, you know? And I must not have been that sly because as we're checking out, my mom looked at me 
what's in your pocket? N- no- nothing, you know. And uh, and she busted me, and you know, I got. I grew up in the '80s. My parents believed in spankings back then. You know, anybody else get a whooping? Okay, that's like you know, that's some old school parenting right there. I know. Anyway, so I got in trouble for that one, but I remember that was the first time I was like, man, I. You know, and we could all probably remember our first time of doing something we consider maybe selfish or wrong and, you know, but, but there's also, there's those cute things maybe we could talk about. There's also those dark parts of our heart, isn't there? And we've all done things that we don't really want to talk about, things we don't want people to know and these, these areas of our lives and our hearts and our minds and our thoughts that, man, we're not proud of that we can't escape. The Bible again says we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all done this thing called sin. There's this brokenness. We all know something's wrong with humanity, don't we? We're just not quite sure what it is. Uh, to, to figure out something's wrong with humanity, you just got to, you know, jump online, watch some news, you know, browse Twitter. You're like, something is wrong. Something is really wrong. Why are we so bad at loving our neighbor? Why do we struggle with hate and gossip? You know, why is this so messed up? And for us, we call this thing sin. We believe what's wrong with us is that we're broken by sin. And the Bible says everybody has sinned. Everybody has been selfish. It's a root problem inside of us. We've all been a victim. We've all been a villain. It's interesting about God. The Bible says that God is holy. He's holy. There's two, two things the Bible says about God above everything else, really. God is holy and God is love. God's holiness in his holiness. He is so pure that he cannot coexist with selfishness and hate and evil and sin. It's like a July day in South Florida and a bag of ice you just bought from Publix. It cannot coexist. The ice is going to melt. The Bible refers God to as a holy fire. He just consumes sin. He cannot coexist with sin. He is perfect and selfless and loving and protecting. I think we get some of those things from him, you know? It's just interesting. He can't coexist with sin, but he's also loving. He is love. And so he can't exist with sin, yet he has this thing in his heart where he loves you and I. And so if the object of his love has committed the thing he can't stand, what does he do? What does he do? What is this whole thing about? Our, our state as people gets even worse in Romans 6. It says the penalty of sin is death. The penalty of stealing a Snickers bar at six years old, okay, maybe it's not jail, but it's a whooping from mom, Right? Now, if you go to Macy's and you try to shoplift, it's a little more serious. Sin, selfishness, it carries a consequence. The Bible says when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. We believe we die physically because of sin, but we also die spiritually. We're spiritually dead in our state of sin. Yet God loves us. I'm going to go back to Romans 6, 23. The penalty of sin is death, right? but the gift of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, is eternal life. I can't coexist with sin, but I love you. The cross, this empty grave, it is the perfect intersection of God's holiness 
and his love. It's his justice and his righteousness and his mercy and his grace. How many of you today are grateful that God has separated you from your sin? He has dealt with your sin on the cross to be paid for by his son, and he has removed you. He's grafted you in, and you're the righteousness of Christ in God. What's this empty grave about? It's about God forgiving us of our sins. Jesus is God's gift to you. If you get nothing out of today, if you're so new to this thing called Jesus and Christianity, and and you're like those early followers, and you're like, it seemed like a crazy tale. What is this whole thing about? If you walk away with nothing else today, here, Jesus is God's gift for you. God sent his one and only son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that through him we might be saved. Jesus is God's answer to the problem of our sin and selfishness. This is how God deals with our hearts. It's his son. What happened? What happened in the empty tomb? God made a way to give you new life. God made a way to give you new life. He forgave us our sins and he made a way for new life. Second Corinthians 5:17. If anyone is in Christ, They're a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. When a person gives their life to Jesus, their hair color doesn't change. Their eye color doesn't change. Their shoe size doesn't grow. They don't gain an inch. But the old spiritual person on the inside is put to death by the power of the Holy Spirit. And through the same power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, gives birth to a new spiritual person whose heart is alive and awakened to the goodness and the love of God. All of those sins have been crucified and nailed to the cross with Christ. God says, I've thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. I remember it no more. I have washed you clean, and I have given birth to a new spiritual person on the inside, one that is ready for relationship with me. When I first gave my life to Jesus at 17, this is what I felt probably more than anything else. I was just living a little crazy in high school, but I was so void on the inside. It got so bad that I began to struggle with suicidal thoughts. So I've always related to the people that are depressed or are very anxious and stressed out and struggling with those kinds of things because I can relate. That was me. And when I gave my life to Jesus, new life entered inside of me and the desire to take my own life was washed away. So that's why when people are like, well, the church has done this or that and this and that and uh, and I'm like, I know the church is messy because she's full of people and people do stupid things. But people do stupid things in the basketball game. They do dumb things on the airlines. They do stupid things in marriage. But I'm not giving up flying because people are crazy. And I'm not giving up on church because a few people are crazy either. I have chosen to stay in this game because I've never been loved like this. I don't know where else to find new life. I don't know where to tell you to look for life like this other than Jesus. I don't think God's being exclusive. I think he's being specific. If you want my life, Jesus is the door. If I gave you the address to my house and I invited you over for Easter dinner, 
You could show up in my subdivision, but still not arrive at my house. So many people are in the subdivision of God. It's about being a loving person. It's about being a good person. I get all those things, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want God's address, it's Jesus. Because he did something for us that we could never do for ourselves. He holds the keys of death and life. He's just, he is life. When that life entered me, man, it made a difference. I stayed because I don't know where else to go. What happened in the empty grave, God gave new life. What I love about God, he's love, he's holy, but he just doesn't know how to lose. He's victorious. He is continually victorious. He can't stay dead. God cannot lose. People think, oh, God is so old and it's over and it's lame. I'm so sorry. Guys, in our midst, God will do something fresh and surprise the world yet again. Every time people think God is done, he does something new. You think you got God cornered in a box, God will just blow up the whole box. He does not know how to lose. The grave is empty because God just cannot lose. For years of my life, I just fought God, and you know who lost? Me. It just, I can't kick against God and win. He lives longer. He's smarter. He weighs more. It's like wrestling somebody bigger than you. It's like no matter how many times you try, they just keep winning, and it's frustrating. It just is what it is. He's victorious. He can't lose. What happened in the empty grave? God made a way to have relationship with you. This this. Bleeds really well into this one. I love this. You've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. God wants a relationship with you. I don't want you to leave today without hearing that God loves you and God wants a relationship with you. Yeah, pastor, but you don't know all the crazy things I've done that you know, I know God hates, and okay, I understand that, but this is why Jesus went to the cross. God dealt with your sin so he could have relationship with you. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And honestly, you want a relationship with God. You really do. Maybe some of you today, you don't know that. Honestly, you want a relationship with God because he's good, he's loving, he's wise, he'll lead, he'll talk to you, he'll help you. Man, God will help you in marriage, he'll help you in business, he'll help you smile more, he'll help you with so many things I can't even list it all right now. Honestly, just take me at my word. You want a relationship with him and he cares about you. And to me, that's the most amazing thing. The Apostle John said this, he goes, guys, the incredible thing here isn't that we love God right? Because God is good. He's just. He's holy. He's pure. Why wouldn't you love a being like that? The miracle of the whole thing is that God loves us while we were enemies, while we were broken, while we were hate-filled, why we didn't care, why we were pushing away. God loved us. God wants a relationship with you today, and he made a way through Jesus. You know, I don't want to put down any other religion today. That's not the purpose of Easter. But if you look at all the other faiths in the world and all the other religions and belief system, some form or another, salvation 
has some sense of I have to do enough good works. I've got to live a certain way. I've got to put so many hours in to obtain salvation or enlightenment or whatever. There's this process toward reaching the goal. This is where Christianity is so fundamentally different than anything else on the earth because this one begins with it is finished. When Jesus was on the cross, he said it is finished and salvation is not earned. It is received. It is a gift. If I give you an awesome gift, right? Like I'll pick on Peterson this morning. If I gave him a new car, can he buy it from me? No. Sorry, bro, you're not getting a new car today. Like, what can he do? He can reject it or he can receive it, but what he can't do is work for it because it's a gift. The message of Jesus is it is done, it has been earned by the righteousness of Christ, and all that is left to do is receive it. It is not by works, so anyone can brag, the Bible says. This is something that he has done for me. All other faiths are some sense of this is how I reach God. The message of Jesus is this is how God reaches us. He came down here to live, to relate, to obey, and to die, and to be resurrected again, right, for me and for you. It's something he did for us so he could have relationship. Last one. What is this whole thing about this morning? This is God making a way for his plans to come to pass in your life. And this gets maybe overstated a little bit, but I I want to say it again for those of you that maybe you've never heard this before. In Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Guys, the plan of God for you includes eternity with him. It includes his love, his goodness, and his favor right now. It includes a relationship with him. It includes the forgiveness of sins, a sound mind, wholeness, brightness. Come on. God believes in his kids. And God has engaged. He's made a way so that his plan could come to pass in your life. You know how many people are walking around right now with no idea what to do? And I get it. It's a little scary. I've been walking with God for 20 years, and I'm like, I don't know. Is AI going to come for my job? Maybe people do want an AI pastor. I don't know. Like, like, what is going to happen, God? Like, so many things are changing so rapidly. It is kind of hard to figure out, like, how it's all going to play out. And it's in times like this I'm reminded, you know what? I don't know what's all going to happen, but I know who holds the future. And he said he's got a good plan for me. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, this good plan can be engaged in my life. Because he's got a relationship, he's got a plan, he's got an idea, he's got a destiny, and he knows my name. And he can talk to me, he can reach me, we can interact. He's got me in his hands. Because of Easter, the plan of God can be engaged in our lives, right? And it's not just about money. We we so often think, listen, if I get the nice car and a great job, I know a lot of people that make a lot of money and they're miserable, but you know what you can't be? You can't be in a, in a thriving, beautiful, loving relationship with God and be miserable. God's not miserable. He's good. 
And, and if you spend time with him, he just kind of rubs off on you. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, you know, I went from death to life and I've engaged this plan. It's not easy, but it's good. And I sense you in my life. Amen. His plan is for you. Peter ran to the tomb and he wrestled. What happened? What happened? What's this whole thing about? Let me talk just for two minutes to the people this morning that are asking the same question. What's this whole thing about? As I've been talking the last 20 minutes, something's been going off in your heart. And you're like, I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know why I sense this thing. Is this guy that I don't know is talking? I feel something. I believe that's God. I believe that's actually the Holy Spirit. You may not even understand what that even means, but I believe that's the message and the love of God reaching out to you right now. He's stirring your heart, and you're asking yourself, what, what is this whole thing about? You know, and I, I, I just feel something, right? I believe that's God, and every word I've been sharing, it's like it's hitting you like waves in an ocean. It just keeps coming for you. So let me talk to you real quick. Jesus loves you. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. The problem with you, like the problem with me, like the problem with all of us, is sin, selfishness, pride. The Bible says our hearts, all of our hearts, man, they're, they're evil. They're wicked. And you know that. You know your heart can conduct a lot of evil things. Your mind can produce a lot of evil thoughts, right? I mean, it just can. And God said, that's the problem. I can't, I can't live with evil, but I want to live with you. So I'm going to send my son, who's perfect, has done no evil. He'll live for you. He'll die for you. He'll take your sin. I'll put your sin on him so your sin can be removed and you can be forgiven and clean. That's what this whole thing's about. It's not about working anymore. It's not about earning it. You can't do enough righteous, good things. You can't go to church enough to earn this thing. It doesn't work like that at all. You, you, you can never get there. But what you can do is believe it and receive it and trust it. In fact, the Bible says that if we believe in our hearts that this is what God did, and we confess with our mouth, right, that we will be saved. Salvation comes from trusting, not in my works anymore, but the work that God did for me through his son on the cross. Would I just have everybody's eyes closed for a moment? Everybody's heads bowed. No one's coming for your purse or your wallet. Don't worry. Like we're, But I want you to have a moment where you talk to God right now. And this morning, with all eyes closed, with all heads bowed, if, if you heard this message the last 20 minutes and you're like, God, I, I want this. I know I need this. As this man is talking. I feel you. I want this. And also this morning, let me talk to the people that maybe you grew up in church, but you've been out for a long time. This is your first time back in church in a long time, and we're so grateful you're here. We welcome you. And you're like, man, I need this. I, I need to restore my relationship with God today because... I've been away, but I, I know what he's saying is right, and I, I want it. If that's you this morning, if you're one of those two people, just lift your hand real quick. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out, but thank you. We want to pray with you. Anyone else this morning, you're saying, yo, pastor, that's me as well. Awesome. Let's all pray this together so that person doesn't feel alone. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I receive Jesus. God, right now, be my Father. Help me follow you. I trust what you did. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give it up for that person who lifted their hand this morning. That's, that's, what, that's what it's all about. That's why we do what we do. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. 
Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing week.